My next guest is the band leader for Martial Law Band. This group is very supportive to their community and local artists. Most recently, they've become the house band for Seattle's Chaz and Chop community. It's my pleasure to introduce Marshall Hugh. Hello and welcome. Thank you for tuning in. We are Martial Law Band, and the music you hear comes from our souls. perspective inception from marshall texas my family broke connections with our slavery ancestry that day forward we were destined change directions my graded western we gon' get a piece of this pie same dream up in my eye that my daddy had in la when he watched the watch riot now my city on fire from the latest protest stress be weighing down my neck need to find my inner balance need to focus on my talents not heads everybody know why i came i spit a scheme to make them shake up their brain i'm not heads I swear my mind transcends when the DJ plays my band But if there's sunshine or if there's rain Heatwave or blizzard and I chose the game So I will remain, let my band communicate Welcome back, everyone. Today I'm with a very special guest, the one and only Marshall Law from the Marshall Law Band. What's poppin', people? Power to the people. What's going on, brother? Yes. So today we actually have a lot to talk about, especially just like a few hours ago, people started getting arrested in Seattle from Chaz and Chop. And um, basically, I think we we probably have some similar viewpoints, but also different viewpoints. So I just wanted to focus this this interview basically on comparing our perspectives maybe me giving you my insight me understanding your insight more because you're actually part of this movement more and what i've been doing is just interviewing artists and having them have a voice during this whole thing but i've been staying away from this the whole protesting itself but first of all something that i just the first question is basically with everything that's happening and the barriers for chas and chopper starting to get taken down People are starting to get arrested. People are starting to notice the numbers of the coronavirus are popping off again. And um, this morning I was looking at previous protests throughout Seattle. And um, through articles, I don't really see people comparing different protests that happened in Seattle to what's happening now. So the biggest question is, how do you make sure, because from interviews I've listened to, you've been pretty outspoken about everything that's going on. So how do people make sure that this is this has a long-lasting effect even with all of Chaz being torn down basically absolutely i mean the 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 thing that i'm starting to learn because like yourself i'm relatively new to activism uh, i've kind of dabbled in protests in the past gone down there held my sign did my yelling thing and uh did that i've done that in pittsburgh where i went to school for a bit i've done that here in seattle i've done that here in la and as, as we grow as a unit, what I start understanding about activism is each person is responsible for their own journey, just like life, right? And so the flame of the movement is only going to burn as strong as it burns in each individual person because you can't control another person's actions and you can't control how other people choose to protest. My personal thing is not screaming at the police. My thing is to get on that stage and perform revolutionary music. That's how I choose to protest. But just because that's how I choose to protest, that doesn't mean I have the right to tell you how to protest. Whether that be occupying space, whether that be playing hacky sack where you're not supposed to, that's your individual right and choice to decide how you want to be a part of each and every movement. So for me personally, how I'm avoiding burnout 
is I'm understanding that my passions are what I need to lend to this movement because I've found throughout my life that anytime I do a job that I don't have passion for, I can maybe do it for three weeks, but trust me, Blake, I am a terrible employee, brother. I am terrible. But what I'm really good at is doing the things that I love, right? So I'm committed uh, to lending my talents, my abilities, the things that are my strong suits towards the movements that I personally feel drawn towards uh, for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Do you kind of feel that, because what I've understand is that um, the city of Seattle is actually starting to sue like the mayor, the governor for all this backlash. So do you think that Chaz has brought people together outside of Chaz and Chop, or do you think it's causing more of a divide? Well, you know, you look to organizations like Black Collective Voices that just emerged out of Chop. You look to our uh, community leaders, such as Nikita Oliver, or, um, you you know, uh, the Equity Now, (laughs) right? And you say, okay, they have put energy into Chop, but they've led by demonstration on other ways to get involved. So, you know, what CHOP did is it put a global eye on Seattle and what we bring to the table as far as how we approach uh, problems with different solutions and what we can do when we stand up as a people. We could do something that obviously can affect the world. So I think the overall effect of CHOP and the camaraderie of coming together as a city to do something as weird and convoluted as Chop uh, became ultimately but you know what it was when it was forged out of police brutality and people coming together and and standing up and then they chose chose to uh, retreat for whatever reason that mentality that energy that has already changed the world. We have people in France hitting us up saying, hey, we're playing at the local protest. You know, we're, we're seeing people synergize from it and excited about it. People now when they grow up in Seattle and all these kids that you saw of all different races come through that area, you know, usually kids aren't allowed to be a part of a protest like that. For them to see that there are alternatives to standing up, whether that be resistance through the arts, whether that be occupying space or marching or mobilizing from a central location and marching other way, other places, we've now set a precedent that there is no rule book to protest. And we are going to approach this with a 2020 lens. And one of the most beautiful things I've heard uh, a leader that I personally follow on social media and look up to as an activist, Nikita Oliver put it, is that we're trying to pick up from where Martin Luther King left off. And that wasn't so much of a civil rights piece. It was his understanding that uniting the poor and uniting the 99% against the 1%, that's what actually ultimately uh, led to the assassination of Martin Luther King, because it wasn't just for this 13% of people anymore it's become open that any people any person can be a part of and that's the chop that I remember that's the Mm -hmm. energy that I was a part of and obviously like I said earlier you can't dictate how other people protest you can't control other people's actions you can't control other people's energies all you can do is omit and radiate your own vibrations and hope that it influences the next person in a positive way and so again I, I try not to judge any of the negative and divisive uh, takeaways from CHOP because I understand that's human nature. We were divided before CHOP as a movement, you know what I mean? We didn't know to go left, to go right. Those are people that uh, were at that Eastern precinct and and really battled it out uh, night in and night out. There was no intention of setting up some sort of encampment uh, that sets uh, precedent of taking care of those experiencing homelessness and not just pushing them under the freeway. It set an example of people having conversation corners and small group think tanks that broke out into uh, tangible mobilization in other places. So it's, it was it was and is a beautiful thing because CHOP isn't something, a physical location. It's a mentality of defiance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So, because that's how it spreads. You can't just say, literally, it's just right here only in this space and and, yeah nobody was even really saying that that's just the hype of it all it's very interesting right because you take something like i was in a i was in a march um that ended up at at, i believe uh jefferson park or something like that or it started there ended up in judkins and there were sixty thousand people out there 
And then you go to chop on any given day. There's only 3000 people there. So my question always was, what were those other 57,000 people doing on any given day to contribute and, and to disrupt other places? I'm sure there were people of that group that were active in other places, but all of our attention and energy uh, as a, as Seattleites, it zoomed in on CHOP when CHOP was just supposed to be an example for mobilization techniques other places. And mm-hmm. so, you know, you saw uh, us personally, we weren't there to just hold down and play music every night for people that were just trying to kick it. So uh, we understood the value in that. And if that's what pe- other people and other artists wanted to do, for sure. But we were out there six straight days you know we took one day off played again took two days off played again we had put and contributed our energy into the space and it was for the people and the will of the people to decide because uh we felt as artists that our energy and our statement uh was made and we would go down there just as just as people and and to feel to feel the vibe and the connection so uh it was it's something that has definitely altered the path of my life and altered the path of the rest of Seattle's, if not the world's lives. So it's, it's a beautiful mess. For sure. (laughs) (laughs) And it's awesome because you were definitely seen as a leader as part of that, but not as like a negative leader, but someone as a positive influence. So the main thing was with me, I wanted to, because it's it's funny because I first heard about you in like December or something when I um, met up with Ground Zero and Masao. Good people. yeah, and, yeah. Um, I missed you by like a few minutes when you were there once, and he's like, "Oh yeah, Blake, you got to come down and meet this guy who's like changing Seattle." And I was like, oh, "Who's <laughs> this guy?" And then I, I was thinking of like a, I don't know, I was thinking of for some reason I was in my mind because I've been working with a lot of like rappers or something. I was like, "Oh, it must be a rapper or something." And then it was like, "No, it's a band." And then I was thinking, I was like, "That makes complete sense because Seattle's all about bands, and what else? What better else than a band to?" Be changing Seattle, whether it's that um, the Emerald City Gala that you did, that was awesome. Things like that, and I just think it's important for me as myself to understand what's happening in Chop, and for my audience and your audience to see someone who's actually part of it, versus hearing all these. Because I've seen some pretty hilarious memes that like trash Chop, and I'm like, I'm sorry, but I, I yeah, I have hey, to laugh at it. You know, you 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 yeah. One thing, especially as people of color, that we understand. If you aren't laughing uh, during your oppression, then you're literally never going to be laughing because we wake up oppressed, right? So Mm. uh, the the whole thing with me is, uh, again, I've learned that you can't control other protesters. You can't control other people. And the dominant energy of that space is going to dictate where the vibes go. When the arts were there, when the music were there, it was a festival. That's what people were calling it. It was a festival. There was a bunch of other great things happening there. There were daily uh, small group and people assembly and thousands of people coming through and paying respects to the George Floyd Memorial and, and learning and growing. But, you know, the headline that they attached to during that arts boom at CHOP was, oh, it's a festival. Then once this, once the arts leave, okay, now what's the next thing that we can a- attack, right? And that's going to be natural anytime you step up and assert yourself into the public sphere, especially as a leader, you can expect a mixed bag response. You know, uh, you talk about anybody who's been successful and you go and watch their documentary. It was never like, yo, everybody loved them. And he (laughs) never had one single disagreement, he or she or they, you know? And so that's just not the reality of the world. When you're doing something uh, polarizing, you're gonna get people on either sides. And that's something that we, we understood as uh, leaders, and that's why we were trying to be very specific in our intentions. Like you mentioned with the Emerald City Gala, which was a, a 30 artist, majority hip hop artist, uh, independent music festival that we threw that was also doubled as a uh, clothing and food drive for those people experiencing homelessness. And that was all, and what we did there is we wanted to prove that a bunch of hip hop artists can get in the same place and have no problems and no violence because people in the music community in Seattle have said that hip hop is uh, something that causes confrontation. And so they've limited uh, the amount of hip hop shows and interactions uh, that occur in the city. So we wanted to dispel that rumor. We wanted to use our craft to bring communities and healing together. And we also wanted to do something philanthropic that got 
clothing and food to the homeless on Christmas Day, those experiencing homelessness. And uh, that was the template that we've been working off, this love, spread the love, unity. Our tour that got canceled before COVID was uh, titled Spread the Love Tour. And so when we got down to the protest and saw the antagonistic tension and the likelihood for violence, that's just not what we stand on. We stand on building community and, and, and righteous, loving justice, right? <clears throat> and, and that's what we brought to the table. That was our talent. That's the scope of where we feel comfortable. I'm learning as a politician. I'm learning as an activist. But that's not my desired route uh, to influence my sphere of influence to do positive change in the world. That I believe is best suited, especially where I am right now, currently in my life as a musician on that stage. And the words that I say on that stage, whether it be through my lyrics or the speeches in between, uh, those are what I can stand by. The actions of individuals, the actions of politicians, uh, people co-opting the movement for their own purposes, that's not my job. You feel yeah. me? It's literally like Mac Dre said, I'll make you a slap. Anything else? That's not my job. So, you know, I, as an individual, I have a lot of opinions. I would have loved to been in there yelling at the mayor, do this, do that. I'm sorry. Where I'm impactful, where I'm able to influence the most people, where I'm able to move within uh, different circles and us as martial law band and a brand of, of spreading the love uh, is by our music. And that's our lane. And that's what we plan to continue to do. So some people love taking rubber bullets. Me, I'm not good at that. I right. like to be on that stage. That's what I'm good at. Mm, that's really well put. Yeah, I like that. How'd you even get to be on the stage and start performing? Word. I mean, it was, again, we, we went to the protest. We had been involved. I, like myself, kind of just like, yo, this is wild. I don't know exactly. I don't want to be pushing barricades. Uh, you know, if I have to, I will, but I kind of viewed myself outside of that intense confrontational situation. <clears throat> so what I did, ha what did happen is that Omari Salisbury, I'm sure you're familiar with his live stream and whatnot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he, uh, he got pepper sprayed for like the third night in a row or whatever. And he was just out there screaming. I'm in my bed watching his live stream. Just like, where's the leadership? what is going on? And honestly, I felt that was just a direct call out to me, such a call to action to where the next morning I just texted the band and said, yo fellas, I don't know exactly how this is going to go. I don't exactly know what it's going to do, but uh, I looked to Bob Marley's one love peace concert. I looked to uh, Mahalia Jackson, Bob Dylan and uh, Joan Baez's uh, participation in the March on Washington in 1963. And I knew that music had a place within this movement. And the best way to do that in my eyes was to go directly to where the people were at. We were positioned about a block away. So we weren't like drowning out chants or other things that uh, uh, were speculated. We were about a block away. We, we would galvanize a group, recharge them, and then send them into the crowd with waters or food or to go relieve people or to spread a more loving healing element within there. And so that just kind of developed. We also started to form a relationship with the medics, the security, the aid staff, the live streamers, other artists we uh, started inviting to come do street art and whatnot. And then we found ourselves doing things like securing a barricade so that people aren't just driving right through uh, the protest and then negotiating with the police. So it really kind of spiraled or uh, expanded into something that uh, we could have never predicted and we had to think on our feet a lot of times and perform through violent failing like war zone situations but the call to action was just hearing a leader and a live streamer say somebody please come help and me knowing that i am a leader through my music and wanting to come and help and the band rallying behind that concept and putting their own bodies in harm's way multiple times whether it be face to face with the police or playing through tear gas uh, for a cause that we believe is just. And what we want to see people do is when you have a bad investment, reinvest. And we believe the people are in the investment right now. Mm. Yeah, it was meant to be that you're there. How did you, and you yeah. got a ton of media coverage. How did that happen? Like Vice, CNN? Yeah, I mean, that, that just came with the territory. You know, it's not like we were out there with like a at martial law band, follow us, these type of things. Like quite the contrary. We had a huge sign that said, uh, you know, uh, 
redistribute fund from the police fund the community you know that mm. we had a massive sign listing the three demands that are pretty well stated you hear a lot of people say like what are their demands i'm like gosh we've been screaming them and everyone i know has been screaming them for months like yeah there's this crazy list going out there but there's three simple demands that are widely you look up three demands of seattle on google it'll pop up so the, those being out there day in and day out media would just come and we would do our best to center that media through our message of love and positivity and push it towards the uh three demands as we understood them of that time and it was interesting it's cool to be uh recognized uh at this point internationally for our work and our statement that we were trying to make but we're by no means satisfied or content or saying wow good job boys it's not about that it's about us pushing this movement forward and using our platform to get the word out further and that's what you're seeing in other cities as well you're seeing that through lebron james in sports uh there's a beautiful thing posted by my brother soul the other day where angela davis had a meeting with nina simone in her prison cell and nina simone who we all know is one of the leading voices of the civil rights movement she spoke to angela davis saying I don't know enough. What can I do? And Angela Davis said, by you being who you are and being here, you are, you are, you, you are empowered. You have the wisdom within you. Let it be a channel uh, to the people. And so the, these are things that we emulate. These are things that I believe probably we are a little bit ahead of most people and their comfortability of using their art within the movement. But again, uh, I went to school uh, only for two years before I dropped out to be a rapper, but uh, you know, uh, studying history and public policy. And so I know from studying these things that uh, you know, the civil rights movement, it, it, it infused all these other cultures. It had a larger social movement with, with JFK, a part of it as well. And so because we're so close to it and it's so fresh and so emotional, a lot of people feel like they can't rely on history to act i personally feel that we can use history as a you know a loose blueprint of these times and so that's what that's really what compelled us to to do the music the media coming with it i mean hey i was already gonna talk to you before this i've already been on the news a bunch of times already had seattle times articles written on us so it's not like we just popped up out of nowhere uh the media already had my personal uh phone call like contact uh and, and our pub we have a publicist and we've been had a publicist um as far as cnn and vice and those things that that just happened wow yeah that stuff is all really freaking dope like thanks man it's, it's it definitely gives a spotlight to seattle it's definitely going to help your music down the road do you feel like there's a bar you have to reach now though when you release music because of all this press coverage you're like oh shit i have to make sure it leaves lives up to what I was doing in the crowd and everything like that. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But that's that's what we do it for. You know, the band name is Martial Law Band. We have songs like Black Panther. We have songs like Head Nod. We have songs like Killed Off the Shaman that have been three, four years in the can already. So our music already stands on these pillars. Now what we're excited about is to finally have the headspace and to have a platform to Next week, we're going on a writer's retreat for five days, coming back and we're doing four days straight in the studio with with producers that reached out to us and that have established Grammys on, on their plaque saying, we wanna do uh, what you're doing through our art as well. So I don't feel any pressure because this is why we sign up. This is why we named ourselves Martial Law Band. The music we're writing now, when, when, when COVID sh uh, shut us our 50 day tour down, brother, I went into this thing called Wake and Create I made a song a day for 50 straight days and they're all socially relevant and stuff. So we got stuff in the can. I got three projects just in my pockets. You know, we, we got concepts around them. We're building our own project. And what our goal is to be the soundtrack to the revolution. That is our goal. We're not running from that. It's, that's, that's out there in the public. When Seattle Times writes an article that says, uh, you know, the soundtrack to a movement, hey, there's no ducking and dodging it now. We're going, we're, we're embracing that head on because this is what I feel like my calling has always been. That's why I left Carnegie Mellon, one of the best schools in the country. That's why I, I went and, and my parents decided, hey, yo, if you're going to leave school, then you got to go be a man on your own. That's why I was, you know, living 
like a college student for the last six years, you know, because sleeping on couches and stuff is because I believe and we believe that our music had a place in a movement like this. We just didn't know a movement like this was coming in our lifetime. So we were already fighting this battle and now we very seamlessly fit in as far as the expectations. We, we, we embrace those head on. You know what I mean? Like, hey, when AI came to the league and he had to have guard, uh, Jordan on him, you know, you can't be scared right there. That's why we train. That's why we do what we do. That's that's why I've dedicated my life uh, to the to these type of situations. So I'm looking forward to it. I got a smile on my face with it, you know? For sure. What I've noticed with um, artists that have actually made it out of Seattle and become popular and be able to work with bigger artists, they do have to work harder than other artists, which is crazy because, like, you know, like, L.A. just pops out artists. New York just pops out artists. Atlanta just pops out artists. And, um... With, with radio in Seattle, I don't think that's going to really help musicians anymore. Um, like, I was part of 92.5, and what I saw that was keeping them afloat really was that they had um, Brooke and Jubal in the morning, but Jubal's no longer with them, so no one's going to really listen to Brooke and Young Jeffrey, which is like, it was crazy because um, it went Brooke, Jubal, and Jose. Jose was the third mic, the guy who was always laughing in the background. Mm-hmm. And then young young Jeffrey was like basically the fourth mic, and he would be on like every other episode or something. And they chose the fourth mic over the third mic to be the, the co-host. I was like, the oh, classic, a- yeah, man. I don't know yeah. if you know this, but uh, when I came back from school, one of the big reasons why I like decided to stay in Seattle was because I got an internship uh, uh, with Cube ninety three at the time. Mm. So uh, I had a beautiful just summer of going to events and, and learning the promotion scheme. And I think I got to interview two chains one time and stuff. Damn. And so that gave me like an insight into uh, working outside of the confines of society and how to really do the promotion business. But I also know the pitfalls and, and the handcuffs that uh, radio of that size is under. And uh, I don't really look to radio to get seattle mm-hmm. into this next phase and all honesty i would love to if it was reality but it's been that way for so many years that i think we have to adjust our strategy i think that right now seattle you're going to see this renaissance you're going to see this uh resurgence of national talent coming uh out of seattle because we're really working together as far as solidarity goes you know we mentioned the emerald city gala But, you know, we also did another festival called Culture Fest that featured uh, a runway for models, spoken word, community panel, and eight to ten artists performing as well as like an open cypher. Then you go back even, uh, you know, further. We had Summer Splash Fest that had uh, 40 different artists, three different stages, all working together. So the community and the framework is there. Now we had to, the big problem was addressing the systematic problems within Seattle's music scene that are mirrored within society as well, right? And so I don't know if you saw this, but prior towards uh, the George Floyd uh, riots and, and what what the movement has become, I actually spoke out about the artist venue relationship in Seattle, right? Yeah. And that was something that, uh, you know, it was well received amongst the artist community, but it was definitely something that the plight of a PLC and who mentioned PLC being marginalized within the community was not honored and respected by the hires up within the music scene here. And now you, you kind of zoom a month and a half later, those some people uh, we're having some dialogue nowadays, you know what I mean? We're going to have to have some conversations nowadays. They they see the, they see the boy smiling on the, on the big screen and now all of a sudden they're, they're treating the kid a little different, but that's, that was the whole problem to begin with. You have to take people's grievances seriously when they have them. So within Seattle, there are some systemic issues that were hampering the scene as a whole. Now, after the revitalization of Seattle and the understanding that black culture is the driving element within any art form here, now you're going to see some more creative things. You're going to see the scene come to life. Even if you look at what was occurring at CHOP, I mean, when those days were buzzing, when we were performing out there uh, post the police leaving, I mean, we had a 2,000-person street party in the middle of, uh, of the street you know no help from any type of venue so there's no reason why our art scene here in seattle can't just take a left turn and we give the power back to the people we set up shop wherever we need to set up shop we bring our generators and we show the world 
what it's like to have a buzzing, a buzzing independent scene. Or hopefully what happens is we do that in conjunction with a new reevaluated system as far as the venues go um, and, and as far as uh, how we pay artists, how we treat artists, how we value uh, not just black artists, but anybody who's making that sacrifice and commitment to providing entertainment for your community. Right. And that's where the intersectionalities become. And that's where we become a larger voice. So, yeah, we're, we're, we're uh, directly aligned with an organization called FACTS, Freelance Artist Consortium of Seattle. And that is acting as a horizontal call coalition, but somewhat of a music union moving forward in Seattle. And, uh, yeah, we're having a seat at any table where these conversations are going on. So I'm very optimistic and it's not just us having these these conversations. There's multiple people in, in the realm uh, fighting for artists, PLC artists, to, to get what they deserve in this city and to figure out how to amplify our voice and make it so music, once again, is one of our top uh, national exports out of Seattle. Mm -hmm. Something I've noticed with um, the Seattle music scene is that people who aren't part of the music scene don't really know that there is a music scene or know these artists or anything like the only way um, you really know about artists is if you're dating an artist, you're an artist yourself. But like when I'm like, oh yeah, this artist is sick, and they're like, oh, well, who is this person? Like no one really understands the music here, which is really interesting. And when it comes back to venues, also, what I've noticed, whether it's venues or media outlets or being part of any media company in Seattle, it's more that I don't think recommendations here really cut it. You kind of have to go do it yourself, and you have to be you have to be consistent also, which I think is really weird. Like I I've never really seen a recommendation really work here when it comes to up and coming artists. Yeah, it's 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 pretty wild uh, to be honest with you because again, you can only control yourself, right? So as we project to other people, I know what the changes I'm trying to make inwardly, and I know for me that there's way too many people of power in this city for me not to have a direct conversation with them and explain to them that we need to get these artists into our schools right we need to get these artists into our community we need to get them amplified and we need to treat them as somebody that we're trying to build up and not somebody that we're waiting for them to break through this pressure-filled barrier of poverty and artistic creation so that this one person can eke through and then they've gone through so much that they look down like yeah nah that's on you buddy you know what I'm saying that's on you buddy so what we're trying to do what I'm trying to do is be that tweener person that is you know even before all this stuff we were headed on a national tour you know we were getting some national media we, we were picking up traction so now that the platform has been, however you, you want to quantify it, has been amplified. Now our goal, as it has been before, is to, to lift out a hand and extend help to other artists while we make that transition, while we go into this national spotlight so that we can bring five, six, seven, eight other people with us and they're doing the same thing. And then we just bust through with this floodgate that you talk about in Toronto, that you talk about in Atlanta right and a lot of things that uh, other other places are doing that seattle isn't doing is they're creating infrastructure and legislation so that artists can apply to get loans for their video apply to get loans for their album and really do the promotion properly you know the make a star uh, program out in toronto these things are very very uh hidden uh amongst the, the the discussions that we're all having but these are the type of conversations we have to be having the resources in this city are out there. The police mm -hmm. are funded $400 million. Their precinct was funded, that specific East Precinct was $31 million. That was their budget last year. Our whole city's arts and culture budget is $14 million. This is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. This is ridiculous, right? And so now that we're having this awakening, hopefully people in power, and if they don't, then hopefully us as people can use our power of voting and demonstration to put pressure on them to realize that's a gross misappropriation of funds. We need to reinvest in the arts. And I think that the arts in this movement have proven when the arts 
where say you want to just take chalk. When the arts are involved, it has a calming element amongst a community and there isn't as much uh, tension between people because they just experienced something that was unifying. So the arts in this city need to have a huge priority in this, um, I don't want to call it pacification of society because we don't want the society pacified, but in, in quelling the angst and the tensions amongst the people, the arts have such a huge role in that. And so we need people in power to understand that it's time to in, invest in the right stuff and the people are asking mm-hmm. for it. Do you think that it's like Macklemore's job or Sir Mix-a-Lot's job or any of these artists that have been around forever to like help spotlight this? Or do you think it's their time has passed to come do that and they just should focus on their families and what they're doing already? Word. I mean, look, I got a lot of opinions, but again, I can only control myself. And mm. I can't say what another person is doing behind the scenes. I can't say what another person is going through uh, physically or emotionally with their family. And I can't be that person that weighs their balance of, do I speak up? Do I go public? Do I do this? Do I do that? Am I doing enough? That's for the person in the mirror to decide. So would I want other big artists to help? I think that's obvious. And, you know, for example, we paid out our own pocket for our sound system, the stage that we rented, the U-Haul we rented, uh, you know, all the, all the food that we got, the boys and anybody we got around, that's out of our pocket. I'm poor. So if there's somebody who's not poor that shares a passion like music with me or anybody else, then I would love to see them possible use their resources so that the people that have the least aren't also the people making the biggest sacrifice that's what i would love to see sure but i'm not asking for that i'm not looking for nobody else to do anything but what i'm about to do and what my brothers and sisters and humans that have made that same sort of commitment and pledge and what we're going to do and if somebody else comes out to put some of their muscle behind that the more the merrier, but I'm done looking towards other idols uh, and, and people and celebrities to do things for me. I think the power is with the people and the people that emerge out of this will hopefully have a set, a constitution that reflects the people that put them in that position. I think celebrities and town icons in a lot of ways are just are similar to politicians they've been promoted to that level through their contingency through their hard work through their energy but i also feel like that bubble maybe creates some sort of separation amongst uh the everyday struggle and and what your life has now become but again that's speculation and i don't like dealing in assumptions so anybody else if they want to help cool if not i have to handle myself That comes back to connecting the community, though, because like when everyone's working together and building each other up, they don't have to worry about, oh, I, it took me this long to work, so you should be able to work this hard, too, and get to where I am at. But when everyone's working together, there's not as much backlash between each other, and everyone can come together and work. Yeah, I mean, I see the solidarity of Bunks. Like, I personally and Martial Law Band is so blessed. We have a network of probably 100 artists, whether that be a band or solo artists, that all are working as a unit that believe in in the solidarity and believe in the we and the us. So I just find it hard for me to point fingers or me to say anything when we're in a position to influence community and feel so blessed by the community we have. Obviously, we want that community to be bigger, more impactful, uh, you know, have a larger sphere of influence, obviously, but uh, we're so blessed and I'm so humbled by the people that are in tuned that uh, I think that it's working. I know it's working. There's an undercurrent in Seattle. And when this new Seattle rises, uh, the same conversations we're having, I don't think we'll have. Mm-hmm. And I think it's crazy that like almost every single artist I know and artists I don't know are either following you or know who you are. Like that's <laughs> Yeah, that's we, out, we out here, Blake, you feel me? And it, it's because <laughs> th- there's things where like people don't see the, the work behind that. Like on top of the festivals that I mentioned to you uh, that we threw coordinated, put money in, in a platform in other artists pockets, you know, the one way to make an artist like you 
is to hire them and pay them a guarantee. You know what I mean? That's the best way to like, to, you know, to have an artist like you. But that, that, that even past that is I go to when shows were going, you know, I go to two or three shows a week. I pull up and I sit in the crowd and I, I clap for people. I dance when they, when they say hands up, I put my hands up. You feel me? I be the, I, I go out and I am the change that I want to see within the community. And then I also, and our unit also, we go to a bunch of jams around the city. So whether it be Mojam Mondays or Cider Room or, or, or Roomba Notes, you know, we're, we're out there playing with Mar Marmalade on Thursday. You know, I've played probably on stage with 200, 300 people in the last year alone. So I actually, we have facial recognitions. It's not so much that these people, all of them at least, are like some sort of fans or admirers of what's going on. Like they're my friends who also admire what we stand for, but we have facial recognition. We know each other. We see each other as that. Yo, how's this? How's that? Like it, it's, it's a network of people within this Seattle community. That's why I say to you, like right now it's like this, but once it's us, or Chris King and the Gutter Balls, or J-Mo the Bird, or, uh, you know, Shayna Shepard, or Shamel, or LaFonda. It, once it's any of us that does this, we're all running. And so mm -hmm. that's why I feel like there is some tension because people know, okay, going out the gate, they're on this. Most people out the gate, they're on this. Out the gate, we're on mm -hmm. this. So that, that's why it, you're going to sense some natural, like even the juxtaposition of our Seattle Times article, there was that uh, all in uh, Washington stuff, right? And they're right underneath, they said, meet Chop's house band. And, you know, yeah. people in the media are smart enough to understand placement of stories, right? And so there is this natural undercurrent of the, the, the bubble of the Seattle underground and the connectivity amongst us all. Uh, and then kind of the established uh, artists within the town uh, that maybe when they were coming up, again, these are assumptions. I can't say this. In fact, this may not be true, but I can look at the history of the scene and say when they were ascending to it, they had a little more, okay, me and my unit ascension and not a whole communal scene approach. We've made it known from the jump. This is communal. This is, this is the scene. This is new Seattle. This is the new wave. This is us. And so I think that's just a new welcomed uh, energy that is now becoming uh, right there in the middle of the paper. Mm -hmm. Did you pay attention to the um, Seattle Relief concert last week? I personally didn't just because I'm really locked in on my own life. I don't get a lot of time to be by myself, whether I'm doing things like this. Uh, so I actually went home uh to my parents' house up north, my childhood home. And I just spent a week out there, man. You know, I was just walking around, uh, skipping rocks in the pond, walking through trails. So I personally was not um, tapped in. I seen it, uh, uh, some of the retweets and stuff. It, it looked like a beautiful event. It looked like uh, it, it was something that was pre-recorded. And so mm -hmm. I think they did the best they could to intertwine it with the times. But again, I, I didn't, I, I personally just took, I took some time. I'm taking a lot of time for myself these days, Blake, you feel me? Like I'm not on social media reading. I could, if I wanted to respond to every person that had a negative comment to me, I wouldn't have been able to do this interview. You feel me? I wouldn't have the time, you know, or if I want to respond to all the people, yeah, keep going. I can't, you know, so me, I get on there, I post and I, I dip post and dip mm -hmm. and then the homies will monitor it and then they're like yo if there's something that's like yo marshall get on twitter then okay i might get on twitter but i don't even know what's going on out here anymore family because i got to stay in my lane in my zone mm -hmm. and uh i'm very very lucky to have a support system including my father uh that's very learned and has been through things like the watch riots which i reference uh in the lyrics of head nod to guide me through this. And so it feels like I'm back playing AAU basketball, bro, bro. Like, uh, I just get driven to the gym, go in there, put 20 on the board, try to get a dub and then, you know, go home, eat some pizza and, uh, <laughs> get, get ready for the next game or, or the next training session. So, uh, you know, my, my life is simplified. And as a result, uh, I'm not as tapped in, um, w with, with things like that, but more power mm -hmm. to him. I see, I seen Russell Wilson was involved. That's super cool. Bro. Yeah. That's super cool. It's so, but I think things like that, like um, 
I interviewed the Black Tones who were able to be part of that um, that concert. And something that I noticed though when I was looking at the lineup was that a lot of these artists I had no idea who they were, but they were supposedly like big artists. And I just think that my goal is to if when there's another concert, something like that, that's that that's big, that it's on the news and everything, that to see more local musicians, you know, because I don't like it, of course they're local as like Macklemore, but like up and coming artists, I don't really see. Like ven- like you said, venues or either festivals like Bumper Shoot really supporting yeah. artists. And if they do support artists, it's like at a time that no one wants to go to anyway. To- totally. Yeah. I mean, look, again, that's why, brother, that's why we act like how we act. That's why we move like how we move. That's why we throw our independent festivals, because we see a need. I don't want to mm-hmm. call it a problem, but we see a need. And we're not going out that way. You feel me? So no matter how it goes... I'm a, hey, I'm already poor. You feel me? They're not gonna take nothing from me. You know what I mean? Like I, I made, I made more off music this year than I had any other year. Like, dog, what can they take from me? I'm, my life is dedicated to the arts. So, where, I don't want to uh, point fingers at at these other figureheads within the community because they're inspirations to me. You know, even just what they symbolize, they, they, they symbolize somebody in Seattle doing what they love and providing a better life for their family and 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 and, and, and spewing out from their soul what they believe. So, uh, man, as much as I want us all to 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 get that main bumper shoot slot and to really do what you can so that the artists are, are able to, to to come out of this in a better place and to pay these artists right when you come festivals, man. That, that's their business. If they're going to act like that, mm-hmm. then that's how they're going to act. Uh, hopefully, our paths intertwine and what we do, we bring to them. What they do, they bring to us and we're all better for it, you know? For sure. So tell me about this like TV show that you have formed on like Facebook and everything. Like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, <laughs> this time, I was like, oh, no, I'm on a TV show. Like, I was low-key worried. <laughs> you know, Fox called me Chaz Marshall of Antifa. So I'm like, bro. Oh, shit. I'm like, dog, my name is Marshall. You feel me? They thought I was like a Marshall within. I don't know what it was. You feel me? So, uh, yeah, the, the Cure. The Cure is something that uh, it's been on a temporary kind of hiatus uh, just because – my, my brother Tane, um, he's he's a New Zealander. He's a New Zealander or whatever, New Zealand. I don't know exactly how to, but uh, you know, he's a, he's a POC. But he felt it was it was best to have me and have the unit focus the efforts on the, the direct movement. And when it's time to come back, it's time to come back. But what the cure was is uh, it was created out of COVID and the desperation that we all had for live music and connection. And so it's a uh, a weekly uh, Facebook live stream show that features local talent, just like we were speaking before. Uh, they they come on, we interview them uh, and get to know them similarly to how you and I are, you know, really asking uh, human questions, you know, and, and asking how they're connecting and dealing with the COVID pandemic and then allowing them to perform. And, and then, you know, doing things like community spotlight of the week raising money for for nurses or raising money for for uh, king young bloods hold your crown campaign and, and then highlight doing fun stuff too you know just clowning slaps of the weeks uh, uh uh song battles anything and just creating independent programming and using our friends that are editors using them to make the recaps making the recaps more fun than what you'd see on tv you know and uh, it was a beautiful, beautiful thing while we did that for, I think we did nine straight weeks and then the George Floyd uh, uh, murder mm-hmm. occurred. So it, it's something that I can't wait to pick back up. I know that uh, when we do pick it up, I think there's going to be more eyes on it now. And that's really exciting to me too, because from the jump, it was something that was meant to be a healing element, meant to be something that brought the community together. And, you know, whether it be the thousands of dollars we are able to raise for a charity or whether it be giving the the 16 artists or so a platform to come and do their thing when they hadn't performed in, uh, you know, a month and a half um, and, and mm-hmm. to put their Venmo out there and put a little money in their pocket. It's just something that we're always going to try to do anytime, you know, we were devastated. We're like, oh, our 50 day tour got canceled. But how yeah. we chose to respond was by making a song a day and creating an online platform to still build that community that we have been known for uh, the brand that we built. So, yeah, it's just another response, Blake. No matter what, you know, Bruce Lee said, be like water. No matter what they they do, no matter how they do it, I'm going to find a way. We're going to find a way to slide through these cracks and, and do something positive with 
whatever negative situation is thrown at us. For sure. So what are your opinions on this whole COVID-19 coronavirus deal? I mean, it's, it's tough, you know, for me, I had to make a personal decision uh, where it was like, okay, is it going to be COVID or the cops? You feel me? That's why I was out there and putting my life in danger and other people in danger uh, during a, a global pandemic. And that wasn't a decision that came lightly for me. That wasn't something that I'm necessarily like, oh, I'm so proud that I defied uh, the social distance order. Like, nah, that's not cool. You know, people need to mask up. I masked up as much as I humanly possibly could. Performing, I can't wear a mask, you know. So that was something where I'd be performing. I'd make sure I kept my distance from people or I used a sanitation wipe or, you know, used a hand sanitizer as much as I could. But that was kind of a calculated risk where we understood what we were getting into. Moving forward, I just hope that people realize like, yo, if you're sick, stay home, get tested as much as you can. You know, I, that test sucked, but I mean, I have to do it right. I, I, somehow, somehow I'm negative. I don't know how, because Blake, I was in the <laughs> thick of it. People were yelling in my face. You know, I'm like, dog, I, I had one dude, I was trying to calm the crowd and I'm like, Hey, like bring it down. He's like, who are you to tell me this? I'm like, dog, you have no mask on, brother. You really just, you know, it, was, it wasn't even a brother. It was a white dude, you know. He yelled right in my face, and I was just like, goodness, if I don't got COVID after this, then who knows? But that's not to make light of the situation. It really is something that's serious. There's people that are dying out here, and each person needs to make their own their own decision. Again, I'm really big in autonomy and do unto others as you would have do unto you. Please be safe. Please take this serious, especially those are high risk. Please, please, please don't have somebody you love die as a result of this because you want to go and party or you you don't mm -hmm. you feel uncomfortable wearing a mask. That's super selfish to me. Wear wear the mask or or be comfortable. Then make sure everybody around you is comfortable in really what they're doing, which is putting other people's lives in danger and if that's the decision that people are willing to look themselves in the mirror and make then again that's the decision they have to make but i personally am not going to make that decision i'm going to wear my mask as much as i human possibly can i'm going to keep my social distance as much as i can i'm going to limit how much i leave my house and who i interact with and i'm going to try to wash my hands as much as possible that that as far as my understanding that's what i understand I should be doing and when i get other information i'm not going to be this stubborn well i'm at least doing this i'm going to process it synthesize it and, and change my actions if that's what's needed and so again being a public figure being involved in this movement there are going to be times where i have to leave the house and uh it's not all social distance is not always going to be practiced that's upsetting to me that's not uh something i look forward to but it's a risk uh that i where the band all moved in together so whatever I got, everybody else got. And, you know, we that's the decision we're making how to deal not only with a global pandemic, but a global revolution. And, you know, he wouldn't expect those two things to happen in the same in the same year. So, yeah. goodness, you know. <laughs> so how did your band get formed? Because you are more of a, on the rapping side and then you have this band. that. How did any of that happen, you know? Man, again all this stuff is just lining up so perfect that I have to think that there is some play in the metaphysical realm to have the band name martial law band, you know, four years from this and to be where we are right now. And then you go back and you reflect on these journeys. You look like how in the world did that line up? Um, but the short story of it is, you know, after I, uh, after I graduated high school, I went to go play basketball and football at Carnegie Mellon. After two years out there studying history and public policy and a couple of internships within the political sphere, uh, I'd seen, you know, kind of my, uh, the, not necessarily the recognition, but the importance of sports in a new Ivy League is very small. You feel me? It's important to the people that play the sports, but somebody that's coding all day, yo, they're not worried about you hooping. They're doing what they got to do. <laughs> so when that kind of buzz of, um, the public sphere of sports uh, died down, I turned to music and, you know, I would be rapping, but I'd also be going to class, but I'd be like taking notes and rapping at the same time. And just uh, my passion for 
music and connecting through uh, the arts outweighed my like desire to be a politician because I saw the, the pitfalls of being a politician and, and, and how you have to really play the game to get to where you want to go, at least during that time. That's, that was my opinion. And so I came back, like I mentioned, my parents were like, okay, then where are you finna live, buddy? You know what I mean? So uh, I moved in with my best friend uh, since sixth grade. Uh, shout out Hooligan, Rahul. He's a, he's a doctor now, um, but he was pre-med at UW. And uh, he had been like living up north uh, you know, with his parents, I'm like, bro, forget that, you know, time for you to move out and I'm going to move in with you, you know? <laughs> so he got me a job at, at Little Kickers in Magnuson. Mm-hmm. And then we moved in on 18th and 45th uh, on Greek Row. Uh, so this is like going into what would have been my junior year of college. So, yo, <laughs> we just moved in with like, uh, it was like a shared living space, but each person had their own apartment. So you don't know who's moving in there. There was like a 50 year old dude in there. There was like my homie Fazika, another dude with GQ, and then um, what is my now current sax player, uh, Metal Marty. He was he was just mm-hmm. randomly my roommate from just moving in. But the first year, we just kicked it. We were just friends. And then I moved out, um, I think like a year later or something, something like that with one of my Cube 93 uh, bosses, uh, kind of like an OG that was like, he like leased a... Uh, a computer for me and stuff and, and bought me my first computer yeah. and just like gave it to me on some big homie stuff. Like, Hey, I see you doing your thing, little man, like keep going. And he, he let me move in with them and kind of just took care, took care of me. Um, and, and Marty hits me up. He's like, yo bro, my band is a house band over here at Dante's, uh, which is a club that actually burned down. Uh, like you got, you should come through and rap with us. I'm like, bro, you're in a band. Like, what you play the saxophone he's like yeah i mean we were just you know i never brought it out we were just hanging out and so i went i pulled up on him uh the chemistry was just immediate uh, it was pretty much the exact same group minus a different drummer uh that you see now and uh it kind of just spouted from there i would hire them to do uh solo shows my big solo shows at the bear project i would bring in a band and i would coordinate uh, vendors and, and comedians and the kind of the many things you see at Emerald City Gala. That was like how I originated as a, a musician within the city because it wasn't like Numos was putting me or whoever Crocodile was putting me on bills or it wasn't like a lot of artists were reaching out to me and being like, yo, Marshall, pull up and perform. I had to go and negotiate myself and, and do the whole process from the jump. And that's why it's been kind of a refined machine. So once I did that a, a couple times, I think probably over like a year and a half span, they would just play one-off shows with me and then they would like do some instrumentation on my already pre-established beats for my project that was coming out solo project. Uh, once that solo project dropped and we did a couple of songs, like I realized, you know, like I want to go with the band, but we need to like formulate a concept. So I loaded, I like, low key just fell off the map for like a year and a half and just read a bunch of books, made a song a day and created the concept of the hip opera which is uh, the hero's journey. And that's when we came back on the scene uh, like two and a half years ago as martial law band, you know, and that's when our our new drummer, uh, uh, the hospitality was a part of that unit. And, you know, our first thing we did was our hip opera. Then we threw culture fest. And and then that's when the other, then that's when the venue started coming. Then that's when we started playing all these shows. Then that's when we were able to get out on tour. So uh, yeah, that's like the quick version. There's a lot of other stuff in between a lot of late night, Mm arguments with each other a lot of like you know a lot of kumbayas a lot of just these are for real for real my brothers you see up there like they've proven they'll put their life on the line for me literally multiple multiple times and uh i for them multiple times so blood couldn't make us closer as a unit uh through all the stuff we've been through and it's a blessing to be able to talk with people like you uh and to have optimism and a a positive trajectory uh, surrounding all of us because uh, we've dedicated our lives to this. Yeah, and that's what's going to get you far in music for sure. Appreciate that, family. So, where do you see the future of Seattle now that Chop is, you know, it's probably, is it completely gone yet or is it still? I mean, off? look, like, it's it's so volatile i mean who knows right it's something that the president's tweeting about it's something that the mayor is tweeting about every day the governor uh all the city council members all the leaders so if the wrong leader or the right leader says chops back on tomorrow turn up you're gonna see five thousand people there doing it all over again 
I know me me mm. personally where where this experience has has taught me is that we have an, uh, a gift of galvanizing people, of giving people hope and of inspiring them to find the journey within themselves in this movement. So that's the, that's what Seattle looks like for this individual and our unit moving forward is locking in in the studio, going on that writing retreat, uh, uh, get, getting the music where it needs to be, uh, creating a project so people can be fighting in their eardrums even if they're not fighting in the streets or while they're fighting the streets and we're not physically there because who knows, we may be on a, a national tour trying to get other communities to galvanize the same way. Who knows? Right now, I'm just locking in this next month. Like, a, you know, it's beautiful to have a, a team working around me where that's just like, Marshall, make music for a month. Here's $200 a week. I'm like, all right, hey, I can get this, I can get this figured out. You know what I mean? This is good for me. <laughs> so uh, that, that's how our role fits. I believe whatever we do, Seattle is going to be on the cutting edge of legislation, is going to be on the cutting edge of uh, this movement. I believe there's been a bunch of tangible results and, and the amount of, of independent groups that have formed already from our movement here in Seattle. That's not just that shot, by the way, that's in all these other places and that is constantly moving and constantly growing and doing beautiful things. We have become this uh this unit that is unidentifiable who's this who's that and, and uh we become this this uh what it's not what is now ubiquitous you know what that word means i don't know what that word means i was gonna say <laughs> let's pretend it's become this like ubiquitous uh <laughs> monster yeah i got thing, it you know what I mean? <laughs> and so i'm excited for it i know that people are really going to uh they're going to push further uh than their own expectations and it's it's amazing, y'all. For sure. What is some advice that you have for up and coming artists, creators, influencers? Word, word. I just want to say, look, each person has their own role, has their own path. A lot of people that are creatives, influencers, activists, those type of things, they have a really strong internal voice or what people call moral compass. I've found in my life that if you follow that moral compass, if you really list, quiet the noise and listen to your internal voice, it's going to lead you on a path that is not always going to be pretty, that is not always going to result in some sort of fortune or fame, but you're going to have peace of mind knowing that you're listening to yourself. And of course, be influenced by your loved ones. But there's a reason why you are connected to this moral compass, to this ever flowing energy. That is what each person needs to find out and walk as true to that as you possibly can. And you're going to make mistakes. I myself have made plenty of mistakes that have happened out in the public. And so you have to be willing to grow publicly and be scrutinized and still have this internal voice and moral compass to drive you to where you want to be. And if each person empowers themselves and they do so through love and unity and solidarity with fellow human beings, then the world is going to be a better place in our lifetime and in our generation. And I think that's all you can ask. You know, a lot of people want to see, it's just not, this is not how history works. You can point to any saying, Rome wasn't built in a day. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just, you, you have to realize where you fit in history. And sometimes that can be overwhelming or, you know, it can, it can make people feel discouraged. To me, that invigorates me because I know that whatever step I take in any positive direction, it's better than going backwards. And I, I, can, live, mm -hmm. I can live like that. Uh, at least for now. I don't know. Talk to me in 10 years, bro. If I'm still on couches and stuff <laughs> and my vertebrae all messed up, then maybe I'll have a different opinion. But right now, brother, it's smiles, it's energy. And, and if you have youth, if you have, uh, you know, not even youth within your age, if you have youth within your spirit, use it because the world needs it. Mm -hmm. And man, I, for real, I've been following your, I started my podcast close to a year now and um, halfway through my journey in my podcast I discovered who you were and I've been following your journey ever since I can make complete sense to me that you were one of the main leaders of this Chaz thing when it comes to bringing people together like I was like who else would have you know? like it, it's 
I love everything you've done. The Emerald City ga Gala and or Gala. I always get it mixed up. It's either Gala I or Gala. I can't tell you. It's, it's ubiquitous. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I noticed that um, on your previous interview and this one, I've noticed one of your favorite words right now is galvanized. Yeah. I love it. Hell yeah, <laughs> yeah man. I mean, shoot, that's what it felt like when the bombs were going off and people were like running into battle. Ah! I'm like, whoa, <laughs> Cuddy is pumped up. <laughs> he is galvanized. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah man like I've, i really enjoyed your music um you definitely stand out compared to all these other bands in seattle not saying they don't stand out too but your message is very clear i think you're an inspiration to a lot of artists throughout seattle and now outside of seattle too and i think you're definitely going to be one of the biggest leaders when it comes to connecting the normies that don't really understand the seattle scene and the seattle scene like i, I can definitely see it happening sure. so with that being said what is the easiest way for people to follow your journey or reach out to you? Yeah, at Martial Law Band on everything. Uh, my personals are at just Marshall 22 But yeah, just go to Martial Law Band. You're going to find everything you need right there. Awesome. Well, this is the NAS Podcast with Marshall Hugh.